yeah, quite a story. How many know we all have, everybody in the room has a story? Come on, and how many know we're on a journey? How many know you haven't arrived yet? Okay, how many know by the weather yesterday this is not heaven? Come on. I, I was uh, messing with the sound guys a little bit today. I pulled up my weather app on my phone and showed them what the weather is in the Pacific Northwest for the next 10 days. And uh, I don't think they're going to listen to my message now today. You know what I'm talking about? It's not quite as hot in the Northwest. But what a joy to be here with you. And uh, how many know that when we do what the Word tells us to do, we get what the Word says is ours? How many many know that? Right, right, because the Scripture says we can have faith, but it doesn't do us any good because faith without, right, right, works. Is, is dead. You know, I, I'm looking at uh, the, the statement on the wall, grow in God. How many know you gotta, you got to be intentional if you're going to grow in God? Everybody with me? Right? right? So you're not better for what you've heard. You're better for what you do. Is everybody with me? Because we can hear a lot of stuff, and James says if we hear it and don't do it, we deceive ourselves. Anybody else in the room besides me has deceived yourself more than once on the journey? Right? You heard a great message and you didn't do anything about it. It was just a really great message that gave you the Pentecostal goosebumps at the moment. Right? Right? So we've got to be intentional and do something about it. If, serve with men. How many know that's a do? Because God didn't call us just to attend a church. God called us to be the church. See, if we can get that, I'm going somewhere here. If we can get that, uh, then two, when two or three of us show up at Walmart, the church just arrived at Walmart. I got, I got about four people right there. Come on, all right. How, how many know there's a difference in the thinking? It's about our thinking. Is everybody with me? Right, right? And if we're going to change the world, we need to love the world like Jesus loved the world and be led of the Spirit according to Romans 8.14. Is everybody with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a world changer. Tell them, tell them say, get to it. Come on, amen? Amen. We're, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. In fact, we're going to read several verses in, in Exodus here today. Uh, but before we do, what an honor it is for me to hang out at, at Christ Point and get to hang out with your pastor. Your pastor is an amazing man. And he's a gift to you. That cost the blood of Jesus according to Ephesians 4. Is everybody with me? He, Jesus, led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And there we find what we often call the fivefold ministry, right? He gave some apostles, some prophets, come on, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. The fivefold ministry are gifts that cost the blood of Jesus. When we recognize where the gift is from, we attach the value that should be attached. Everybody with me? Let me, let me do it a little different way. How many of you have uh, something on your refrigerator, usually held there by a magnet, that either your children or your grandchildren drew? Anybody have some of those precious pictures? Do I have a few friends? Okay, all right. Aren't grandchildren a reward for not taking your children out? Is everybody with me? Isn't grandchildren the most amazing thing, right? But I've got some of those pictures, all right? I got some of those pictures, and if I took them down to Goodwill, they would smile and give them back to me. Is everybody with me? Why? I don't know, but you know what? They're priceless to me. They didn't even color inside the lines. They didn't use the right colors. And none of it matters because I know where it came from. 
See, when we know where the gift of pastor comes from, we attach the value that heaven attaches. Come on. Come on, and you get the results because we come into alignment under a leader willingly saying, this is a gift from God to me. Now let me tell you something. I've hung out with Pastor Josh long enough to know he's not perfect. And that's a really, really good thing because if he was, you and I couldn't attend. Because we're not perfect, right? Everybody doing all right? So would you just one more time say, Pastor Josh, you're a gift from heaven for us. Will you just give him, you just say, thank you, my pastor. Amen? Now, it's really dear to me and really important to me, and here's why that's important to me, because um, I see pastors uh, stepping aside and, and all kinds of things happening in America. About fifteen to 1,600 pastors quit every month in America. Okay? And often, sheep bite. Come on. And people can just be... Just here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that the meanest people in the world are not only in the world, but often in the church. Now, none of them are in this church. It's all the other churches we're talking about. Okay, is everybody with me, right? But here's the reality. When we get off mission and we become religious, we get meaner than the world. And so I see a lot of pastors just getting chewed up and spit out, and it bothers me because they're a gift from God. And so thank you for the honor that you bring to your pastor. Can I say all that to you today? Thank you for the honor you bring to your pastor. I am willing. I'm here serving him, serving the Lord, and serving you. So scripture says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10, I'm bringing it up on the, on the screen for us. I want to talk about your journey today, and, and I want to spend a little bit of time here because we are on a journey, and, and there's something specific that I want to drive home to you today. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word. It's above your own name. I thank you for every man and woman, every young man, every young lady that's here today. I thank you no matter where we are on the journey, we know, God, today your love for us. I pray that you would reveal by your spirit what you want to write upon our heart, that we may do what you called us to do, that we may fulfill what you called us to be while on this earth we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Is everybody with me? Now, what's going on? God is speaking. God's speaking to who? He's speaking to Moses. What's he telling him? I have a mission for you. I want you, Moses, who was a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Is everybody with me? Right? He's, he's a deliverer. He's a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. All right? And he's gone to Egypt, which is a picture of sin, a picture of us without Christ, okay? To Israel to the Jewish people, which is us. Everybody with me, right? So it's like Jesus being sent by the Father into the world to get us out of our stuff. Come on, I love the prayer. Our shame and our guilt, okay, it may be big, but His grace is bigger. Come on, are you with me? Come on, there's nothing you can do that caused God not to love you. He loved you before you were lovable. Come on. And he goes on and he says, I want you to take my, take my people out. Now, we know the story. We know that he goes and Pharaoh's not happy. And Pharaoh says, what? Nah, not going to happen. And then plagues start coming, right? Right? Isn't it, isn't it interesting that pain produces things? And, and so there's, a little, there's one plague after another. And then the children of Israel are delivered. They're not only delivered, they are delivered. Come on. on they cross the sea and dry ground. How many know there was a miracle that happened there? Right? There was a miracle that took place. And they went across on dry ground. And then that same sea drowned Pharaoh and his army. How many know that was a great day? Everybody with me? You had those kind of days in your life? 
That was a great day. Now, now they're on a journey. They are on a journey from Egypt to the promised land. Now, we're on a journey. You may be here today and you haven't even committed your life to Christ yet, but, but the Lord decided and desired for you to be here today because He may want you to begin your journey this day and you're on a journey. You may be here and say, man, I've been saved for 45 years. You're still on a journey. Come on, you're still on a journey. And we have not arrived until we arrive in heaven. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's still got something for you to do. He's got a plan. You see, so God delivers them out of Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land. Now jump with me to, to uh, Exodus uh, chapter 16. Because here, here's the point I want to make today. There was a second deliverance that was needed that didn't happen. That's why Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years when it was less than a month's journey into the promised land. Everybody with me? So I want you to hear this. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Now listen to this next verse. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel, what's that word? Come on, complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and, we ate, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us, now listen to the accusation, you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain, is that what it says? Bread from heaven for you. Now, isn't it interesting? They thought God brought them into the wilderness to kill them. The same God who delivered them out across with, with plagues that never, never touched their life. Miracle after miracle after miracle. The same God who parted the water of the Red Sea and let them cross over on dry ground. The same God who drowned Pharaoh and his armies on the backside. The same God that was feeding them with manna. Come on. The same God that didn't let their clothes wear out. But they got a thought that said God's out to kill. Can I tell you something? If you think God's out to kill you, His scope is not off. Everybody with me? How many know God's aim is not a miss? If God wanted to take me out, there's no rock big enough. Come on, there's no coal mine in West Virginia deep enough. God would be able to take me out. But God is not here to take me out. God is on our side. We just sang about it. Come on. God is for us. He is not against us. The deliverance that Israel needed was a deliverance in their thinking. They got a physical deliverance, but their thought processes kept them from everything God had. That was the deliverance they didn't get. Oh, God's trying to kill. Man, I just wish we had died with meat in our belly. Isn't that what it said? Paraphrasing just a little bit, right? Right? We are not vegans. <laughs> Come on, is that right? They're saying, we want meat, you know, and so God sends kamikaze quail, right? Isn't that exactly what happened, right? He begins to feed them with all these quail, and they get, they get everything they want. But the problem with Israel was a thought process that was out of alignment, and they thought God was against them and not for them. Is everybody with me? Now, how, how many know what we think is vitally important? Come on. 
And our thoughts, you know, our thought processes come from, from generally from, from three sources. Our thought processes come from the environment in which we were raised. Come on. And let me, let's pause there for just a moment. All families are dysfunctional. You know why you think yours is not? Because your dysfunction is different than everybody else's. Can we just can we level the playing field? Is that okay? We all have dysfunctions. We're all fallen, all right? Uh, so we go through stuff and we think certain things are normal. Until we get around other people and we go, oh wow, maybe we're just a little bit weird, right? But but we get thought processes from our environment in which we're raised. We get thought processes from events that happen in our lives. And we get thought processes from what we're feeding on. And someone said, which one's strongest? Well, it's the one that you feed. Come on. Come on. It's the one that you feed. If you're not a daily bread person in the Word, you're going to struggle in your Christianity. I'll try that one more time. All right. If, if you're not, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. If I'm not living in the Word daily and I come to church Sunday for food, I'm going to struggle in my journey. Come on. Because there's so much... There's so much sensory data coming that's shaping my mind and my... Come on, come on. The, the news is shaping... Go, CNN, constant negative news, right? I mean, we're in all of that stuff that's beginning to shape my thinking. If the Word of God, with the Word of God does not come the shaper of my thinking, my thoughts aren't going to be aligned even with what I'm singing about and what I'm hearing on a Sunday, and I'll be singing about the promised land while living in hell. Come on. Because it's about what I think. Oh, you with me? I'm just getting started. We might have to order pizza or something. All right, look at this. They had allowed a thought to take hold. Now, where did it come from? I don't know, all right? But they had allowed a thought to take hold. Now, anybody in the room raised really um, strict and religious? Uh, I was raised in what I call the don't church. If it was fun, it had to be sin, and you couldn't do it. Do I have a friend in the house somewhere? Anybody else that was raised in the don't church? Anybody? Okay, right? Okay, so I got a few people that were raised. How, how many know it's a little bit hard to change that thinking? Right? I literally, I, I stuck close to the, um, back in the day, if some of you have uh, been around Pentecostal, Pentecostal Church of God long enough to know we had something called the PYPA Covenant. Anybody remember what that PYPA, I have a few friends in the house, all right? And it said things like, we will not be found in places of immoral entertainment such as pool halls. That's how outdated it was. You know, we won't go to theaters, right? Is everybody with me? And so I didn't go to theaters. The first movie I went to see was with my daughters and my wife, and it was called The Lion King. And we went... And we went out of town. And my wife reminds me that you were rubbernecking through most of the show seeing if there was anybody in. Come on. Because it, listen, listen, I was in church singing about freedom, but I was in bondage. It was here. Come on. Still haven't visited a pool hall, but maybe I should do that while I'm here. Okay, come on, are you with, are you with me? So it's, it's not about works, but it's about mindset. And I, st I still say, well, there's a holiness in God, because, you know, back in that day, we said, don't go to the theaters, and we would rent the same movie as soon as it came out. Talk to me. Come on, right, right? So wait, wait, that doesn't line up. You're, you're watching the same movie, right? Or is somebody there with me? See, it was the thought process that I was raised in. Oh, you, you can't go to dances, and you don't do this. Come on. And you can't wear shorts. 
Come on. We were, we were arguing that on a convention floor one year, and uh, Brother, uh, Brother Mosier was our world missions director at the time, and uh, we're in the middle of argument. He's leading our convention. I'm the youth director, right? I'm, I'm the district youth director sitting on the front row. And he comes down off the stage, all serious as he can, and he leans over against, down to my ear, and he says, y'all are against shorts. I'm headed to the bathroom to take mine off right now. He never cracked a, he never cracked a smile. I'm busting up on the front row as he heads to the bathroom. I'm like, come on, man. But the reality is we, we would argue about that stuff that didn't really matter, and it's because we were off mission. Come on. And the thinking needed to be aligned with what Scripture said, not what tradition said. Come on. Amen? Now, now, there, now how many know it is a process? I'm going to show you this. Uh, jump with me to Exodus 23. Still laying a foundation. You see, if you embrace the wrong thought that doesn't align with heaven, you won't get what heaven says is yours. Hmm? If, let's, let's, let's use an example. If heaven says His mercies are new every day, but you're concerned today that God's going to take you out, you're not going to live in peace. Come on. You're not going to live in joy. If you struggle forgiving yourself, there's some people in this room, your biggest battle is forgiving yourself for times when you fail. Man, it got deathly quiet just now in this room. Because we're often the last one to forgive is ourselves. But the Bible says in Proverbs that a just man falls seven times and rises up again. Come on. Can, I, can you just set yourself free and, and, and say to yourself in your heart, I'll fail. Come on. You will fail. Still really, really quiet. <laughs> I'm still plowing through that. Listen, you're going to mess up. But I would rather fail trying to do something then sitting still doing nothing. I blow it, and yes, I'm one of those guys. I, the devil doesn't beat us up, he hands us the hammer. We usually beat ourselves up because our thinking, instead of understanding that God can use everything, God can use your failures for your future ministry. Come on. God can do a work in you but it has to do with your thinking. Am I thinking right? Now, it's really easy to jump today to Romans chapter 12, and verse 2, which says, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye metamorpho, meta, right? Transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind, right? It's got to be renewed. How? How? The washing of the water of the Word, back to daily bread, back to prayer, back to the right fellowship. If I'm going to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish, i got to get rid of the negative people in my life. But they're friends, really? Maybe not. Even as a pastor, I had certain people in the church, whenever I met with them, they were so negative, I felt like when I left that, I had to go take a bath. I limited my time with negative people. Come on. Now, i got some family I have to see at, at, at certain functions, but you know, you know what I mean? They're family, and I'm stuck with them. But, but, but we're not hanging out. I like to hang around people that will challenge my thinking to the next level because there is a capacity in us that God wants to release. We get, all, we get all bothered about the state and condition of America. This is primed for the church to be the church. This is perfect 
conditions for the church to rise up and begin to transform communities by simple obedience to the heavenly vision. That's not too hard for God. God likes it when it's hard. Come on. When he told them to cross the Jordan River, it was the season of flood tides. It was the season when the Jordan River was the highest. It was the time when it looked the bleakest. Come on. Are you with me? God says, hey, that's perfect. Because I can do the impossible. God wants to do things in you that will blow your mind. God wants to use you in ways that will blow your mind. But it's often our thinking, well, but what I did. Here's the thing. I was doing pretty good, and then I failed. So I took the 10 that was on my forehead, and I made it an 8. And then something else happened. Come on. I went through a divorce. Let's just grab that one. That's a great one to grab. And so now I'm a five. Come on. Lost my job. Now I'm a three. So pastors preaching Sunday after Sunday after Sunday that you are a, you are, you are a precious child in the kingdom of God. There are gifts and there are callings in you, and God has a purpose for you. All that's true, right? But it runs through the filter of our three. And I'm hearing this amazing word of God, but by the time it gets inside of me, it's just a drip. And I'm struggling in my daily walk and life because my image of who I am is reflected by what I've been through and how I've failed, not who He is in me. Is everybody with me? What I'm trying to say to you, it doesn't matter how much you feel like you failed. It doesn't matter if you say, man, I mean, I've been beat up. If I was a car, they would total me. Come on, are you with me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for you that is larger than anything you can ever grasp or think. Come on. Took a couple of guys from West Virginia. Come on. Coal mine country. It's a great cooking. Come on. You have to get several raises in West Virginia just to get up to poverty line. That's the truth. They support back there. They can't even pay attention. You know, I'm just kidding. Okay. Here's the deal. It's a process. So look at this. I'm ready to go back to that scripture. You guys put it up there a long time ago, didn't you? Exodus 23. Listen to this. Verse 29. God talking about the promised land. He says this. I will not drive them out before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have, what's the word? Increased and you, how many know when you increase, you inherit? Is everybody with me? Now, look at this. He's saying, I'm not going to drive them out in one year. But wait a minute, who drove them out? God or Israel? It was a partnership, wasn't it? Come on, are you with me? See, sometimes we're waiting on God to do stuff that God says, no, that's your job. Think about it this way. Our relationship with God is kind of like playing checkers. You ever played checkers before? Right? If you move twice, you broke the rules. You move, right? It goes like this. God moved, and he sent his son. We moved, and we accepted Jesus. Come on. God moved in his word and said, be baptized. We moved, and we got baptized. Everybody with me? 
God moves in his word and says, no, no, it's not just a water baptism. It is a spirit baptism. I want to baptize you with tongues of fire. And we move, come on, and we respond and we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? And then God moves and says, oh, it's more than just attending church. I have a call for your life. I have gifts in your life. And we move and we serve. Everybody with me? See, it's this, it's, this game, it's this game, it's this journey of him moving and us moving. And then when we move, he moves again. We're often waiting on God to tell us something else when we haven't done the last thing he said. Because when God speaks, it'll freak you out. Anybody ever been freaked out by the word of the Lord before? And he asks you to, listen, and he'll ask you to do things that are beyond your comfort zone. Anybody relate with me? Show up in church and, and I'm tipping God. And then one day he says, tipping? No, no, no. The word is tithing. You spelled it wrong. Tithe. Right? And for me, the first step into that, we were raising young children when we were inconsistent givers. And it was like, God, I have to tithe. If I tithe, I might, I might not have enough money for milk. Come on, are you with formula and baby diapers? But I trusted God. And then he says, okay, I got somebody I can use. Now, here's the thing. If we learn to obey God and we let it, let this thing subdued to what the word of the Lord said. Come on. Sheep bad, they don't butt. Come on. Because we hear the word of the Lord and we always want to go butt. We need to get our butt out of the way, right? Come on, somebody with me? <laughs> Come on. So that when he speaks it to you, you say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I've never done this before, but God, I'm going to do it. Somebody. But it's in our thinking. It's when we raise the level of the Word of God to say the Word of God is higher than what I think. Because some of the things He's asked me to do totally mess me up. See, He's saying this. I'm not going to give you the land in one year. But what's the word? A little at a time. Here's the thing, guys. The Bible says the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord, right? Come on. The steps are ordered. So what do I got to do? All I got to do is step. What are you asking me, God? And I got to step. But it's about thinking. It's about, am I thinking right? Because if I'm thinking wrong and he asked me to do it, all I can remember is all the failures of the past. But God, I tried that once. Come on. I, it didn't work out so well. And so see, I said we get shaped by events, right? And how you go into something determines what you're going to get out of it on the other side. Let, let, let me give you a couple personal examples. You guys doing okay? Okay, let, let me give you a couple of personal examples. My wife and I were newlyweds, um, and my little two-and-a-half-year-old two cousin, uh, his name was Clinton, was going to spend the night with us on a Saturday night, right? That day I worked. I managed an auto parts store at that time, and um, my wife went to, back in the day, we had fellowship meetings. And she rode with my aunt and uncle to this fellowship meeting, which would have a service, and then a lunch, and then another service, right? And so she's there. She goes to the first service, has lunch, and decides to ride with somebody else home. So she and her cousin did not ride with my aunt and uncle home. She had rode up there with my aunt and uncle, who also had two other sons in the car. One of them was young Clinton. On the way home that day, from that fellowship meeting, my aunt and uncle were hit head-on with a drunk driver, and uh, my little cousin, who was going to spend the night with me that night, died and perished in that auto accident. My aunt was so banged up that she was unable. She was still in uh, critical care when we had his funeral. She could not attend her son's funeral. Somebody with me? I mean, you know that's a bad day. I mean, you know that's a difficult day. That's a very, very painful day. 
some of that stuff that we don't understand, where we look through that, that dark, smoky mirror, right? And we don't understand things in life. But let me tell you what happened on that day that I didn't understand for a while. The enemy lodged a fear, Sean, deep in my mind. Everybody with me? Now when I'm working Saturdays at the store and my wife is on the road, what do you think the enemy's telling me? And she has my daughter in the back seat? See, an event lodged a thought process that took my peace. And I'd be busy stocking shelves or, or helping customers or whatever, and the enemy was chattering. See, because there's an, there's an internal dialogue that runs thousands of times faster than I'm talking right now. It's just going. And he's up there just saying, she won't make it home. She's not going to make it home today. She's going to die just like your, your cousin died. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to hit her, and then you're, you're going to lose your daughter Heather too, right? And peace is gone. Come on. You see, events can happen and take you off mission that God has for you. They can get on the inside of you. That's what happened to me. And it took me months to figure it out. Pastor Josh, I'm months along, and I'm, I'm, I'm youth pastor torment. Oh, I'm still preaching the right messages to the kids, but I'm going home and going, right? Waking up at night in cold sweat. Because an event happened that lodged something on the inside of my thought. And it took me six months before I realized what was going on, and God delivered me from a thought that wasn't from Him in the first place. Come on, is everybody with me? My wife's God's had her has hand on my wife. Everything's good. Everything's cool. And I'm grateful for that. You see, things can happen in our lives that lodge thinking that though we can proclaim something with our mouth, if it's not alignment with what our thoughts are, we won't get the outcome. Everybody doing all right? Okay, good. Because I'm enjoying this. All right. See, here's the thing. You've got to fight a battle to get the victory. He said, fight the battle. I'm going to do this, but who's he going to use? You. Yeah, I'm going to give you Jericho. Who's he going to use? You. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's the game plan. I'm going to give you AI. They did it wrong, right? But little by little, they started taking, they started taking um, land and taking it over. And he said, I'm not just going to give it all to you. You've got to work for it. Faith without works is dead. Everybody with me? So let me give you a couple of thoughts. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Corinthians says, we might get there. Corinthians says, take every thought captive. You can't take it captive until you know what's going on. Did you know, let me give you another example. Did you know that events, the things people do, do not offend you? Now, anybody ever been offended before? Let's get in the right crowd first. Anybody ever been offended before? Okay, point to the one who offended. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Come on, come on, come on. You've been offended? The event, whatever they did, did not offend you. It's how you thought about the event is what caused the offense. It wasn't what they did. Come on, it wasn't what they did. It's what you thought about what they did. See, because they did something, and you went, oh, man. You know, I knew it. You know, here, here's the song the devil likes to sing to you. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Baby, you're no good. Come on, right? That's from the 60s. Anybody remember? And I'm going to say it again. You're no good. That's what he likes to tell you. And so now, Sean treated me a certain way today, and it just reinforces what I think about me, and now I'm ticked off at Sean, and the whole reality is God's trying to get my attention that it's me, not him. And here's what happens. 
It's, if I don't figure out here, I come over here and I get offended again. And I come over here and I get offended again. I'm going to go somewhere here because that becomes people that can't stay planted in a church because everywhere they go, they're offended, 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 and the common denominator is them. They're great people. They're just unaware that God is trying to get them to let go of the bait of Satan. Come on. Let it go. We always have reasons to be offended. Man, I could tell you about stuff that I could have reasons, and I have lived through offense. But it's not what people do. It's how you think about what they do. Come on. Don't come off the wall. Uh, I'm enjoying myself. I hope you're doing okay. All right, here it is. Most of the time, we're unaware of our inner thought life. Our internal voice is more active and influential than most of us ever realize. We speak at 150 to 200 words per minute. We listen at 5 to 600 words per minute. But our internal dialogue is running more than 1,300 words per minute. And most of us aren't even aware of what's going on up here. But then it causes, what we think causes all kinds of emotions. Come on. High school. I was a wrestler. You have a wrestler? Any wrestlers? Former wrestlers in the house? David, you a wrestler? Come on, I got a few friends in the house. The truth. Were you a wrestler? Come on, West Virginia. Oh, you weren't a wrestler. Oh, oh. you're just a liar. Okay, not a liar. <laughs> just having fun. Okay, I'm a wrestler in high school, right? The one-to-one sport, right? I mean, I'm at an invitational, which which means we have a whole lot of teams there wrestling all day. Get down to the finals. Everybody goes to dinner. At finals, there's only one mat left. They bring one mat in the center, light in the center of the ring. Lights are all down. Everybody with me? High school. And I'm ready, man, because I made it to the finals. Weight, 158-pound weight class. I know. That was a few years ago. Don't look. Okay. The reality was this. I'm there, and I'm getting ready to go, and I come out of the darkness into the light to meet this guy. Oh, my living God. He's bald and has teeth missing. And I went, what was going on up here? See, I still was not very aware of what was going on up here, but there was a whole lot of stuff going on up here. I am going to get pummeled. I hope he doesn't break something. Oh, my living God. You know, right? If he bites me, you can tell his teeth mark or tooth mark, if you will, right? Uh, The whole idea. I mean, all of these things are going on. You see, I lost that match when I saw him. Before we ever got to the center of the ring and shook hands. It's been a huge lesson for me. He beat me that day. He didn't break any bones. No teeth marks. But I crawled off the mat realizing I could have kicked him. I could have beat him. I could have won this if I'd have thought right. Everybody with me? Going through my going through my year at high school and I get to the state tournament. Guess who I end up facing? The toothless, bald wonder. The dude that, I mean, his name must have been Jethro because he'd been held back so many times. Are you with me? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Here he is. But see, I had a different mindset. And I looked at him. I said, I don't care what you look like. I know what you can do, and I know what I can do, and I can beat you. I put him out of the state tournament, and I kept going. Come on, are you with me? Are you with me? Now, now here's, here's my point in that. We too many times let sensory data override what the Word says. See, we got the Word in us, in our heart, in our mind, but then circumstances will lie to you. And by the way, circumstances are temporary. 
the Bible says the, it's the unseen that are eternal. Come on. Your budget, your job, come on. Whatever it might be that's out there, we let that in and let that become an image that restricts, just like I did with that wrestler. I let him beat me up here. But when I got my mind right, I beat him. Because I had what it takes to overcome. And see, here's the thing. Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Greater is he that is, come on, than what? And all the circumstances, it's greater. But if my thoughts aren't in alignment, then I can be saying one thing and really experiencing another. Is everybody with me? What do you sing about the peace of God? I want to have the peace of God. I don't want to just sing about the joy of the Lord. Come on. I want to have the joy of the Lord. I don't want to have to have the usher stand me on my head in church so someone can see what looks like a smile. Come on. I want to be frowning when I show up in church. I'm happy to be in church. And it's the real thing. It's really how I am out there is more important than how I am in here. Some people know how to put on the Sunday morning face. How you doing? I'm fine, man. Everything's great. Get out there, man. Those guys can same guys can cuss the wallpaper off a wall. Come on, are you with me? It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's sweet and bitter water. Those things aren't in alignment at all. It has to do with your thinking. Everybody doing all right? Okay. Let me hurry along. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 in the good news. I love this love the way it says this. Be careful how you, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Wow, 1,300 words a minute. There's a lot of stuff going on up here. i got to give them something to feed on. I'm going to live in the Word. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a person of prayer. And I'm going to hang around people that have big ideas. Come on, I'm going to hang around people that recognize there's always more. Because here's what often happens. We, the enemy, tries to get us to settle short. Is everybody with me? You see, his, he's got a plan A and a plan B. His plan A is to get you to deny Christ and to turn your back on Jesus. Is everybody right? Because we know his, his eternal fate is already sealed. He wants to take as many as he can with him. Is everybody with me? That's plan A. But here's plan B. Plan A, I mean, I would say, hey, Sean, would you, would you turn your back on Jesus right now? Even if it costs you your life? No, you know that, right? It's not going to happen. I'm there, I'm in, I've got it. But plan B works more often. Plan B is to get you to not move in action to the gifts and callings that are in your life. Plan B, he, he would say this, Hey David, I know you're not going to deny Christ, but will you just attend church? Just attend. Real quiet just now, didn't it? See, because just attending church was never God's plan. Speaking. It wasn't. And we don't get fulfilled by just attending church. Church is the base for the ministry and the call that's in us. A kingdom of priests. Right? Is everybody with me? It's like, yeah, I want to go to church. You, you mean I don't have to go to church anymore? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the church is the place you get in. Come on, I go to the gas station to get filled up, but I don't hang out at the gas station. Somebody with me? I use what I get at the gas station. Come on. 
to get me on down the road. And so plan B is, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Because the gifts and callings in your life will change this nation. What? No, you don't understand me. See, there you go. Some of you, when I just said that, you had an internal dialogue that started reminding you everything behind you and all your failures and all your stuff. He has no new tactics. They're the same for everybody. He wants to diminish us made in the image of God. And plan B often works because he'll get us to shut down and not do what God's called us to do. Some of you in this room, God's told you time and time again, will you trust me with your budget and tithe? And you just freak out and you just, ah, I don't know if I can do that. God's telling you again today, if you'll do that, he'll take you on up to the next level. Come on. Okay, pastor, what do you need? I'm ready to serve. What do you want? See, right? Serve with man. There's a step. And then we start finding out what, what okay, God, what do you have for me? That's where I started. Just serving. And still today, I'm just serving. You know, I'm serving you today. And I love the joy of being able to serve you today. You are mighty through God. Say it again. You are mighty through God. God has gifts and callings in your life that he wants to accomplish through you. How do I find out what they are? Start serving. Well, I failed before. I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I, 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 And we want to settle short. Just like Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh, they settled short of the promised land because of what it looked like, because of what the landscape looked like. And it's interesting, Gad and Reuben's name meant to see and overcome. Those two, those two tribes should have been on the other side of the Jordan. They settled short. We often settle short of everything God has for us because of we accept the lies of the enemy. Come on. Be careful what you think because your thoughts shape your I can start telling you all of the areas in life that I've failed, and you say, wow, how are you even up there? And I would say, hey, it's the grace of God. Come on. Come on. God says not many mighty or noble are called, but he has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. What is it he's asking you to do? How is it he wants to shape your image today rather than it being shaped by the experiences and failures of a life, but by his word? Still doing okay? Listen to just a few thoughts. Every action is rooted in the thought that produced it. Think about it. Our thoughts will make us or break us, advance us or limit us. Wrong thinking always results in negative behavior. Right? Here's a good one. We don't work for victory. We work from victory. Is everybody with me? From glory to glory. From faith to faith. If, 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 listen, I'm, right, I'm righteous. Did you know I'm righteous? My life may not look like I'm righteous, but I'm righteous because God says, through Christ, I am righteous. I am more than able to do anything He's asked me to do. Well, that's arrogant. No, I'm weak and he's strong. That's our conversation. Before I preach, that's the words that will come out of my mouth. God, you and I both know I can't do this. And I can always hear him, yeah, as long as we got that straight, I'll work through you. Right? Come on. Some of you, God just wants to ignite something. I'm going to... There are some people in this room today that you put on a great face. And this stuff that has happened is way behind you. 
but you still feel like a failure today, no matter what songs are sung, no matter what you sing and what you do, you're still attached to something that happened many years ago. And you feel like, I am sub-citizen. I am a lesser class somewhere. God has never said that. But you've attached that because of a failure. There's some of you in the room that an event in your life has brought fear. And I used that story. I haven't told that story in years about what happened in my life. And I feel like God was just relating it. You've had some things happen that have attached themselves to you and reduced your thinking. Because God wants, God wants to expand our thinking. Come on. And the enemy wants to reduce our thinking. He wants to tell us, you're not able to do it. You don't have what it takes to do it. And God is saying, you are well able to perform it. Come on. In fact, do you know we should always do something we're afraid of? It gets awfully quiet at times in here. What are you talking about? You should constantly be doing things that are outside your comfort zone. I'm not talking about foolish. But I'm saying you should be doing things that are beyond your comfort zone. Because living in your comfort zone, you will never fulfill the mission of God. The first time I stood in front of people, seventh grade, for a book report, I was literally scared to death. I was so scared, my kneecaps went into violent convulsions. Never had it happen before. But my kneecaps are just, do, I mean, they're doing, a, they're doing a Pentecostal jig on me, right? I literally gave my book report leaning forward so I could keep my pant legs off my kneecaps so nobody knew what was going on down there. But you know what? I gave a book report. I knew a lot of people in class took a C or a D so they didn't have to give the oral portion. Why? Because they were afraid. I just determined a long time ago, God, it, it, I, I want to do things I've never done before. Because when you have a victory, it gives you a, an amazing victory. I'm afraid of heights. So our church went on a skydiving adventure. And then my mom signed up, which told me I knew I couldn't back out. And ha my mom was the last, I was number 11 of 12, and my mom was number 12 of 12. She was right behind me. And I, I think God set it up that way, because if she wasn't behind me, I don't know that I would have jumped. But I jumped. And then my mom jumped. Changed my life. Wow. You haven't skydived? I think you should skydive. How many are afraid to skydive? See, there's all our volunteers for the next skydive right there. Okay, see, 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 here's what happens. We get, we get afraid, we get limited. Come on. And God says, I'm going to use you over here, but we got the box that's right here. That's for everybody else, that's not for me. You're a world changer. Change the world, you're a world changer. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a world changer. Get to it. Come on. That, that's what's got to happen. Okay, I, I know. I know. I got to wind this thing down right here. Listen. What thought? Are you aware of what you're thinking? Come on. Are you aware of what you're thinking? Are you aware of why you're thinking what you're thinking? And are you aware of what's shaping you? 
Three big questions. Are you aware? See, you gotta, if you're going to take a thought captive, you've got to be aware it's up there. I used to get mad and not even know why I was mad. Can I just go there a minute? Men in America are way too angry. I got one amen from a man just now. Short fuse, just ready to blow off, blow up at any moment. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is not the primary emotion. Anger is the secondary emotion. There's something else going on on the inside. So you need, if you struggle with anger, you need to begin to say, Lord, just like David prayed, in the hidden place, make me to know wisdom. In the hidden place, what's going on in my thinking that that anger comes out of me because that's not of God? That doesn't make you less of a person. Don't, don't, don't start beating yourself up. It's just you got to get aware of your thought process. What am I thinking? Because most men aren't living the adventure God wanted them to live, and so anger comes out all over because they're not on mark, on mark for what God's called them to. Come on. Make sense to somebody. Are you aware of your thinking? Are you aware of why you're thinking what you're thinking? Okay? It's the why behind the what. And are you aware of what's shaping you? So the word of the Lord has got to be that which shapes your thinking.